this morning I was reading Psalm 107 and I highlighted this verse that I felt like I needed to share just right now in the time of service that verse 2 it says let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story and uh, I feel like that at times we think that we need to tell our story for others but we really need to tell our story for ourselves and I just want to pray this I just want to pray this over you. I don't know what this looks like, but I feel like God is going to call some people to tell their story, whether it's you need to write your story down or you need to like speak it out loud. But I feel like God wants to take people through a time where you write the story that God's been writing in you, that you actually put pen to paper, you do, you do something, and you, and you actually look back and see where God has been crafting a story. As Zane sat there and said, we need to be reminded of the ways he's faithful. God just began to flood my mind with all the memories that he's been faithful that was beyond my obedience. It's just God being faithful. And I feel like that that God really wants us to tell our story. He really wants us not just to tell our story. He wants to know our story so that we can know that he's faithful. Not just that he's faithful in general, but that he's faithful to you. That he's faithful to me. That he's faithful to us. It's easy sometimes to say this abstract thing, God is faithful. No, He's faithful to me. He is faithful to me, and I can tell you how He's faithful to me. And so I just pray right now, God, that you would give an anointing to tell the story, God. To tell the story, Lord. You've been crafting a story in humanity. You've been crafting a story in our lives, God. I pray that you would release an anointing to see the story that you're working over our lives. The redemptive story that is beyond the despair, that is beyond the valley, God. I pray that you would see us at work in every part, every part of our life, God. God, let the redeemed people tell your story, God. Let redeemed people tell their story. In Jesus' name.
you guys to stay in a posture of worship and during this Lenten season we're going to have lots of opportunities to have silence to have times of meditation and contemplation and just reflect on the story of Christ and so tonight we're going to read together a reading that is prepared for us and afterwards you guys are invited to just a time of silent reflection what's in blue and when white comes on the screen you guys are invited to read that with me this day is your gift to me I take it Lord from your hand and thank you for the wonder of it God be with me in this your day 
every day and every way with me and for me in this your day and the love and affection of heaven be toward me all that i am lord i place into your hands all that i do lord i place into your hands everything i work for i place into your hands everything i hope for i place into your hands the troubles that weary me i place into your hands the thoughts that disturb me i place into your hands each that i pray for i place into your hands each that i care for i place into your hands i place into your hands lord the choices that i face guard me from choosing the way perilous of which the end is heart pain and the secret tear rich in counsel show us the way that is plain and safe may i feel your presence at the heart of my desire and so know it for your desire for me thus shall i prosper thus see that my purpose is from you thus have power to do the good which endures show me what blessing it is that i have work to do and sometimes and most of all when the day is overcast and my courage faints let me hear your voice saying you are my beloved one in whom i am well pleased stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient past ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls in the name of christ we stand and in his name move out across the land in fearfulness and blessing to gather the kingdom to the king and claim this land for god a task indeed give us to see your will and power to walk in its path and know the night is routed and gone lord hasten the day when those who fear you in every nation will come from the east and the west from the north and the south and sit at table in your kingdom and Lord, that your glory be seen in our land. He has shown you, O oh man, what is right. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Keep me close to you, Lord. Keep me close to you. I lift my hands to you, Lord. I lift them up to you. Help me to find my happiness in my acceptance of what is your purpose for me. In friendly eyes, in work well done, in quietness born of trust, and most of all, in the awareness of your presence in my spirit. Thank you. 
just as we're sitting here in this moment of, of rest, I just uh, want to ask you just to pray this simple prayer. God, show me your ways in my life. Just pray that prayer from our souls right now. And just rest in the fact that God's faithful to answer that prayer. just open our hands as a sign of this and we'll just pray this together. God, show us your ways. Show us your ways. We're not content with knowing your acts. We want to know your ways. So Lord, I just pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on us, that we might know you, we might know your ways, you might know the hope to our calling. Pray that you would just enlighten our hearts to have a higher perspective than the perspective we're having. To give us a just an aerial view of your life that you have for us. God, I pray where we're missing the forest for the trees that we would just be able to see from a higher view, God. A higher view, Lord. Just pray for uh, people tonight to um, that you would release us from patterns that happen in our life, God. we give our, our patterns to you. Let me just say thank you, Jesus. So Lord, we worship you and we honor you. We bless you. We ask you to be with, to be, uh, with us in the way that we're aware of you time, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's give it. Um, I've shared this one time, I think in 10 years of ministry, a few years ago, 
I shared this, but um, there there are habits that God is um, you know wanting to break in me, patterns that He's wanting to break, and um, I had to. I'm reminded of a dream. I had a recurring nightmare when I was a kid, and in this in this nightmare, I would I was actually in our church. I think that 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 was prophetic in the nightmare. I was in our church and I would, it was like everything was fast forward and I kept running around the same loop in our church. And it was like, it would just go and go and go and I couldn't get out of this loop. And I knew that I was in a dream when I would be in this dream and it was like I was, I was like God, I was like, beg, it was like I was begging God to wake me up because it became so infuriating to be in this, I don't know how to explain it, other than it was just, it was just taxing. And years later, the Lord reminded me of that dream. And He spoke to me is that many people are living that dream in reality. And I believe that there's an anointing for God to wake us up from the nightmares of the patterns that, that we get stuck in. So I just want to pray for that just for a moment before I go on. God, I just I do pray, God, that you would you would wake us up, Lord. You would wake us up tonight, God. And that you would you would do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are alive tonight? Yeah. Worship was amazing. That was awesome. I love to celebrate the goodness of God and dance a little. Thank you, kids, for making that happen. Um, we start Lent this year, um, or, or this time. And before I talk about that, I want to kind of go back to the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, um, we talked about this word fullness. And we talked about this word fullness as a word that describes a journey that we've been on as a community. And I prayed and asked the Lord over the last few months to give more specificity to the language that we use to articulate who we are as a community. And when I look back at the 10 years of what we've been doing and you know the, all, all the different paths that we've gone down, I feel like this word describes the prayer that that I think many of us have, is that we want to experience the fullness of God in life. How many of you can relate to that? It's like there, there comes time when you're just like, I, just, I, don't want, I don't want what is satisfactory. Like, I want what is full. And it's been a you know, focus of mine to state that and restate, restate that. And I believe that that is that we are on a journey together as a community. I think that that's essential to the fabric of our spiritual DNA. That we 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 are all on our own journey to experience and discover what is fullness. And in order for you to step into fullness of God for your life, whether that's any dimension of what this life is, it means that you have to step out beyond safety of what is comfortable and what is satisfactory. And the journey out of what is safe and comfortable and satisfactory into fullness is a journey 
of risk and it's a journey of mistakes. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Like there's this, there's this old statement that I heard this psychologist make where he said that, uh, you know, the path to being a virtuoso, which is an expert, the path to being an expert is being willing to look like a fool. Because everybody who becomes, everybody who experiences something and it's full or becomes good at something has to come into a place where they're willing to look like a fool initially. And, and so when we journey into what is fullness, like if we go that journey, it's not the safe journey. It's the journey that will lead us down dead ends. It's the journey that will lead us down mistakes. Not because God is unfaithful, but because we don't get it all right. That's, that's just part of life. <laughs> but if you look at the story of scriptures, all of the people that God highlights as these incredible heroes of the faith, they're all people that go on this journey of fullness. And every single one of them have these dead ends and these like, what in the world was that along the journey? And so I just want to keep putting that out there. And part of uh, one of the facets in the ways that we've pursued fullness as a community is by integrating a more diverse expression of what church looks like. And so an example of that is it wouldn't be hard for you to walk in here, especially on a day like today, and realize that this community is at least somewhat of a charismatic church. Like, that would be easy to recognize. And I think all that's fine. I think, I think God uses His many different expressions of church that are unique and in all their ways maybe missing something. But God, but God uses, uses exactly who we are to bless Him. Um, but, we, but we've look to incorporate a more wide, a wider integration of, of expression of worship. And so an example of that is, is by increasing our value for tradition as an aid for our community's encounter with God. And so over the next coming weeks, we will be reading through the passages that are highlighted in Lent. And these passages are the passages that tell key stories of Jesus. And so our kids will go through these passages. Our house churches will go through the passages. Like everybody will be going through these same scriptures so that we can, we can be all on the same page. Look at, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 52. He says, then, then he said to them, therefore a, a scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and things old. Things old and things new. And so as a, as a community, one of the ways that we want to do worship is that we, we want to be um, in this, especially over the next, next few weeks, we will be in the flow that God has been doing since the foundation of the earth and also the flow that leads us into the future of what he has for us. And so part of that for us is that we're drawings on some of these ancient traditions while also continuing to sp express God in the way of worship that he asked for us now. So that prayer that Andrea read, this is really cool, is from this guy named Oswald. Really cool name, Oswald. I won't be naming my child Oswald. Um, but he was a, this, a saint, this, this guy who walked with God and, uh, uh, you know, 
lived a life of ministry, miracles, all this. In, and he wrote that prayer in the 7th century. So those, prayer, those words that you prayed tonight, they've been, being, they've been being carried and translated and stewarded and prayed for over millennia, which is pretty wild to think about. And so we're, we're going to highlight in the coming weeks the stories of Jesus. I want you to look at me at John 5.39. So one of the things that we often do in church and some of teaching is aimed towards how do we live better life. Like some of the teaching in Scripture is aimed towards that. But the Pharisees became so consumed with how they did everything right that they missed what Jesus was doing. And so he, he's having this interaction with them in John 5 where he healed this person on the Sabbath and they were annoyed by that and they began persecuting him. And Jesus' response to them is this. In John 5.39, he says, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. And so while we can have all this great teaching about how to be a better parent or how to be a better uh, you know, prayer person or how to be a better on your job, and all of those things are valuable and important. But if we do not tell the stories of Jesus, Jesus is the crown of God's revelation of who He is to humanity. Like, He is the picture. He is exactly what God has to say about Himself to people. And so, we, we often are like the Pharisees focusing our energy and effort in our churches of making life better rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so we, we want to um, follow, we want to... We want to lead, read these stories, talk about these stories, point to Jesus, not just be quick to apply everything and make everything about our life, but, be, but exalt Jesus in the name of Jesus. And so these stories will lead us to Easter through His death and resurrection. And Hebrews 1.3 is, is another beautiful verse that, that speaks of this. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word, after he had provided purifi purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, right hand of majesty in heaven. He is the exact representation of him. So here, here's something that, like, when, when I can't fix things, when I'm, or when I become too focused on fixing things in my life, one of the things that I try to do is just remind myself of the story of Jesus. I'm not even looking in my Bible. You know, I love to like read my Bible and journal all the little cool nuggets that God shows me. Like, oh, if I do this, then this will happen. You know, I love doing that. But, but something that deeply refreshes my soul is just to fix my eyes on Jesus and to see who He is for who He is. And I think it's one of the things that like, it's like one of the most obvious things that we do, but one of the things that we, we miss on so often is just to tell ourselves and to retell ourselves and to retell ourselves and to retell ourselves who is Jesus. 
And I love reading the whole of Scripture, but we have to understand what Jesus says about the Scriptures is that they are that which testify of me. And Jesus is the testimony of who God is. Amen? And so, what I would invite you to do over the coming weeks is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on His stories. Like, take these Scriptures. I'm going I'm to give you a Scripture tonight. These will be discussed in house church this week. This week, <laughs> this week which will be starting back. Um, for those of you who don't know, house church will be starting back this week on Wednesday nights. There will be one at Zane and Tiffany's house and one at our house for the, for the burbs and the cities. City folk, or you go wherever you want to go, but that's kind of the way we, we situated it. And so... But we will be discussing this same text when we come into the conversation. And so I encourage you, like, write down. I'm going to be talking from Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Write this down and, and pray on it. Like, let it seep into your own soul. And so, as kind of a, a, thought, a thought, when, you know, when we look at the life of Jesus, um, before I jump into today's scripture, we look at the life of Jesus, there's two things that Jesus is doing on the earth. There's two things that He's doing on the earth. First of all, He is accomplishing the work of God in love. How many of you believe that when He went to the cross and when He, when he healed people, all these things He did, like He was accomplishing the revealing work of God in love. Amen? Like Jesus came with an assignment and He came... He came to conquer death. He came to liberate captives. He came to, to heal people, to set people free. Like He came to accomplish God's work in love. There's a second thing though that He does is that He came to demonstrate God's work in love. And so He didn't just accomplish. In fact, um, in fact, Hebrews I believe tells us, and I believe it's the most quoted psalm from the Old Testament, it says that when he was finished with his work, that he, see, he became seated in heaven and waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. So who, are, who is the extension of his enemies being made the footstool? We are. We, we are the ones who we've seen the work that he has finally accomplished. And as we see that, he becomes a demonstration for us of what life looks like in continuing the revealing working of God's love. Amen? So every time we see Jesus, these two things are happening. He did not, he did not, like the work of God, while it was completely finished on the cross, it's still being worked out in humanity to this day. And he didn't stay on earth till everything was finished. Right? Like he left, there's still sin, there's still sickness, there's still pain, there's still heartache. And God's, God expects us to see him, to see his working, and to carry it out. And so when we remind ourselves of Jesus and his stories, we are reminding ourselves of two things. Who is God? What's he doing? What's, he, what's his God fellow up to? <laughs> and who are we called to be in him? And he is the greatest picture of both of those two things. Alright? So, I'm going to read to you from Matthew 4, 1-11. through 11. When, you, when you follow the tradition, um, we, they, they always come back to starting 
with the wilderness. And in Matthew 4, 1-11, we're going to see Jesus tempted in the wilderness. And this comes right after He is baptized by John and this anointing is proclaimed over Him. My Father says, you're, you know, you're my Son whom I'm well pleased. It's my Son whom I'm well pleased. And so there's this public thing that happens before Jesus even goes into any kind of ministry. This is public a type of anointing thing that happens where there's a visible recognition of who he is amongst those present. And so directly after that, you, you have this, this passage. And starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, you can read along with me. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift up you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone but Jesus answered him it is also written do not put the Lord your God to the test again the devil took him to a very high mountain and shown him showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor all of this I will give to you he said if you will bow down and worship me Jesus said to him Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Okay. So I'm going to talk to you about the, the three, three ways of Jesus. So catchy, right? Three. Sometimes, sometimes it just works that way. I'm going to talk to you about three specific ways that Jesus demonstrates and reveals to us in the wilderness. And the first thing I'm going to call is, is say is called the, the way of trust. I want, I want to look back at Matthew 4, verse 1 again. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay. It's, I want you to see this because I think it's something that we often look over when we hear somebody talk about the wilderness. It's that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. That's what it says. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So here's the, here's the context we have here. Is that just before Jesus is, is uh, baptized and He awaited this time for like the fullness of things, it was like things had to be done in such a way that God had made this public proclamation about His Son and that He demonstrated for us what a life of submission looks like. So directly after this time of like public affirmation, anointing, consecration, whatever you want to call it, the Holy Spirit leads Him out into the wilderness. One of the things that I've seen when I, when, and this is from reading a lot of the stories of Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, and by looking at people's lives that, that I've been around, those that have, who are 
wiser than me and further along than me in years. I've noticed that there's this pattern that's, that's sort of repeated. And it's once we begin to grasp the anointing that God has for us, and others begin to grasp it and see it, like it's, it's, it's a, it's aware, we're aware of it and others become aware of it, is that oftentimes the Spirit then leads us into the wilderness. There's a time where we're led into the wilderness. We see this in the life of David. David is anointed king, and he's anointed king in a private place, you know, with his family and with Samuel. But what happens after that? He goes and he is, defeats Goliath, and, you know, he becomes this warrior on account of Saul. And then it becomes apparent to not just David, but to the whole nation and to Saul, that he is walking in this, you know, they say, Saul killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And what happens is that David becomes driven out into the wilderness. Now, partially because of Saul's mistakes, but I think also by God's design. And we also see this in the nation of Israel. Like Moses comes and declares to Pharaoh, not just that he's going to liberate the people, but he also deposits on his people the promises that he has for them to enter into a promised land. And then there is this public, there's this public thing. And when you read the Psalms, it, it's clear that the, that the reason we have all these plagues and all this is because God is revealing himself as the God of the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so there's this public thing that happens where they are both, they are, they are these favored people and then they receive the promise and when they're both aware of it and, the, and everyone else is aware of it, they are then led out into the wilderness. So if you, if you want to read through, you, you can check me on this, but if you want to read through a lot of stories, you're going to find a similar pattern where, you know, you become aware of something and other people become aware of something. And what happens is, is that we're often brought into the wilderness after that point. And Jesus demonstrates this way of trust by entering the wilderness. And it's, it's so important to see here that the Holy Spirit is the one who led Jesus. Um, because he, he's walking in complete trust of the Spirit. Even though he's Son of God, like he's walking in step with the, with the Spirit. And one of the things that we make the mistake of so often is that we come into paths that God is leading us down and we curse those paths as somehow devices of the enemy. You know, and I think part of it is that we've been presented this type of, uh, you know... <laughs> In, especially in, in the West, we've been presented this type of Christianity where everything is just high and to the right, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's all going to be good, 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 gooder, gooder, gooder. You know, and, and all things, as we receive them, like, can work themselves out as blessing. But if you've lived any length of time, you recognize that everything is not high and to the Right? Right? Like, life is difficult at times. And if, if, and I'm not saying that everything 
is designed by God. Don't hear me. Hear me, don't hear me wrong here. But if we come into this place where we never enter into actual trust with Him because we don't get aligned with what He's doing, then we never mature. If we're cursing the path that God is leading because it doesn't seem comfortable, we are not going to learn the way of trust that Jesus calls us into. Amen? <laughs> I wonder how many hours of spiritual warfare prayer I've done. And it's like, I'm praying against the thing that God's like, come on, it's okay. <laughs> I am God here in the valley, up here on the side of the mountain, the top of the mountain. I'm, I'm God in all of it. Amen? So if God led Jesus, if God led Jesus into the wilderness, um, and if God led, were to lead me into the wilderness, then why? Let's look at Matthew 4, 2-4. I'm, I'm, three, three things I'm highlighting today is why. It says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first reason to me that God would lead us into the wilderness is because He wants to reveal His way of trust. You know what? Here's the thing. He didn't have to go into the wilderness because he had been a bad boy. <laughs> Jesus, uh, fortunately, the Scripture tells us in Him there's no fault. He did nothing wrong. And God didn't need to punish him to get him a little bit better. It's like the first deception is we think the wilderness is the enemy's leading. The second deception is we think, well, I just need a little more punishment to be a little bit better. And Jesus wasn't led into the wilderness because he had been a little too much of a bad boy. Do you know what the wilderness does? Because there's two things that are happening. Jesus is always, in the stories of Jesus, always simultaneously, we are being revealed who God is, and we're being revealed who demonstrated who we are to be in Him. What The reason Jesus goes into the wilderness isn't because He'd done something wrong. It's because righteousness would be revealed. It's because the trust that is real in Him would be revealed. When God leads you into the wilderness, it's not to prove to you what's wrong about you, but it's actually to prove the purity that's in, inside of you. And to reveal and to purify. Yes, it's to purify, but it is to purify and reveal the goodness that He has deposited in you. Like when he spoke the word over his son, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
He has spoken those same kinds of words over us as we've entered into his love. And so when we're led out into the wilderness, it's not to show us how bad we are. It's actually to reveal that there's something good in us that's being matured. You know, my Meemaw, she always had this little jewelry, like, how many remember these little, like, cups that had the jewelry cleaner that the, that the old ladies would put there? I hadn't seen one of these in a long time. Somebody needs to bring them back. You sell those things online as some new thing that was invented, and they'll sell a million of them. They exist, okay. But I remember looking at that thing. My meemaw put her wedding band and her, you know, couple different rings every night. Why does something go into a process of purification? To let the diamond shine. I think that we have it backwards. We think that the wilderness is to reveal the sin that's within us. The wilderness is to is to purify us from the sin so that the that what's pure will be revealed. Like the wilderness is so that the diamond can shine. Amen? Like there there's gotta be a, a degree of trust. And if we think that God is always out to get us that we're going to have the wrong context. It's not that we do have sin that needs to get dealt with, right? But purification is always about what's good, not what's bad. It's about really, like the fire is to consume the dross and the things that will melt and be burnt away by fire so that what is eternal will be left. And let me tell you, I can say this, that every single one of you in Christ Jesus have been given eternal, everlasting riches that have been deposited in the depths of you that God had from you before the foundations of the earth. And there is a diamond to be revealed in the way of trust. So there are... Well, let's make the second way or second point there's a couple, there are two different ways in which we partner with the Holy Spirit. There is, uh, the end of the Matthew's Gospel, he makes this statement, and it's also, the, it's also right as Israel's about to enter the Promised Land, this is a very similar statement. It says, go and my Spirit will be with you. Similar statement is named, except I think it says, go and my presence will be with you to Israel as they enter into the land of promise. Um, so, I think this is the majority of the way we live. The majority of the way we live is that we grow in our walking with God, in our favor with Him, and we go, and He goes with us. Right? There's another way in which we walk with God. And it's, there are times when He explicitly desires, He wants to lead us explicitly. Like carefully and specifically. So when, when, the, when it said... When it says here that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, that's very specific language because Jesus, you have to see this, that these things aren't arbitrary. Jesus is constantly demonstrating for us what a life looks like in the Spirit. 
So you, you have to realize like the way that like Jesus lived his life, it is not arbitrary. It's not just a collection of cool stories that God did to prove that he's awesome. Every single, every single, <laughs> every single thing is carefully, like he walked out this exact life in God so that we can see what it looks like. And there are times when the scripture um, lets us know that Jesus is following the Holy Spirit. There are times when the Scripture lets us know that the Spirit is just with Jesus. And He's just doing the Father's business, healing people, casting out demons, normal day at the office. And there's times when we get to know the Spirit's with Jesus, but there's times when we get to know that the Spirit is leading Jesus. You know, I, uh, we've been reading um, The Hobbit to our kids. How many of you watched Lord of the Rings at least? Okay, a lot of you. I, I do what? <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, my favorite character, I've mentioned this before, is Gandalf. I think Gandalf is a favorite character of our whole family. Like, uh, you gotta love, um, gotta love Gandalf. And one of the things that's peculiar about having Gandalf on your team is that this dude can basically kind of, I mean, he's not limitless in his power, but he can kind of do a lot of things. And there's like so many scenes in the book where Gandalf like isn't doing anything and he's with the crew and they're having to figure it out. And like Gandalf could just use his staff and do some sort of like lightning zap on the bad guys or just transport everybody over the hill. And it's like, he almost never does it. He's kind of this old crazy guy who's just hanging around the group, you know? And it's like, it's like you're just, you're living with this. You're like, why is Gandalf not doing that? They're fighting these people and he could zap them all with lightning. Anyway, you just have to live with this when you're reading the story. Because if you understand, Tolkien was a Christian and he, you know, he put a lot of imagery into his books. The goal of the the goal of Gandalf isn't to accomplish tasks. Is the goal of Gandalf is actually to aid people in their working of the tasks. Because it wasn't just about the task being completed, it was about this thing of glory being revealed in these characters. Like that as they went on this journey and they fought the dragon or whatever it was, there was something about their own glory, their own purpose that was revealed that if Gandalf just preempted them to the end of it, it would be... It would be a problem. But every once in a while, Gandalf just comes in and does his wizard thing. Like, he comes in and, and, and I, I think that most of the time, God is playing this role of being present and aiding us in His Spirit and walking with us because something is being revealed about the glory of God within us. And there are times when he says, you've got to follow me and you've got to do exactly what I say. And that is a part of the, this, this way of trust. And the second way that I want to talk to you about, which is the way of favor. That we have to learn how to steward this favor of the Spirit that we're walking with. So let's look at Matthew 4, 5-7. It says this, Then Gandalf took him to the holy city... Why did I say Gandalf? <laughs> Glory. 
Then the devil. <laughs> Wrong Lord of the Rings character. <laughs> Too much Hobbit talk. Oh man. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is, always written, it, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm going to be honest with you. Every year that I read this Scripture and i got to preach on this, I'm like, I don't even understand why this, part, this one's here. It's like the first one He's being tempted with food, and then the second one He's being tempted with you know, this glory. And He's like, you know what? Why don't you prove how awesome you are and throw yourself off a mountain? I'm like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to get here. <laughs> I was reading this here, though, and I realized something this year is that Jesus does not exploit the favor that God gives him in a way that would grieve the Spirit. He does not exploit the favor that God gives him. Like, I don't know what sin would be committed here, but Jesus will not exploit the anointing and the favor that God has given him. One of the most, the more, the more significant, I would say one of the, the highest areas of significance that God has spoken to me personally on in my 10 years of ministry is about what is, an, what is the appropriate stewardship of the favor that you've put on my life? What's the appropriate stewardship of the favor that you put on my life? At times, the gifts that God has given me have not been used in submission to Him, but in arrogance. Are you with me? I want you to see this. The central theme of this entire text is that Jesus is submitted to the Father and to the Spirit. That's the central overarching theme. Now you see this in His trust, but you also see this in the way in which He stewards the favor that God has given Him. It's, it's a strange temptation, but it reveals that Jesus is unwilling to stray even a tiny bit in using what God has given him in a way that's inappropriate. Now, I've, I have, I don't need to share the stories of Sharon times, but I, I cannot count the amount of times where I realized like I was operating in a gifting that God was giving me in a way that wasn't appropriate or glorifying to God. Like, Jesus stewarded the favor of and the anointing He was given on earth. And one, one of the things that I think is universally true when we go into the wilderness, it's true here with Jesus in the wilderness, is who, who are the two th what are the two things you encounter in the wilderness? Well, first of all, you encounter the presence of God. But secondly, you encounter the presence of the beast, or the presence of the enemy. I don't have time to cover all the stories of Scripture. You just have to trust me on it for a moment. When, when God leads people out into this season, 
They encounter God, but they also encounter the enemy. Now, I think the way, the reason in which God would lead you to encounter the enemy is because because He wants to reveal to you the favor that you have over the enemy. He wants to for you to encounter Him and to also encounter the anointing He's put upon you. And that is not possible for you to see without the beast being in front of you. It is not possible for you to see the favor that's on your life until you stand in front of the demonic enemy that wants to take your life. Like It's kind of paradoxical, but God will lead you right up to the gates of that which is most evil because He's wanting to show you how much has been deposited in you and that you have got to be one who stewards this favor. Like we have been called to be like Jesus stewarding the favor of God in the earth so that the enemy will be destroyed and defeated at every turn. And that does not mean that we hide somewhere away from the enemy. It's that we go to the place that he is most near. I want, I want you to see this. And I think this is the way that God works in bringing breakthrough in our life. How many of you believe, like Jesus, maybe we'll just say His main assignment is to come on earth and to die and to resurrect and in that He reveals the love of the Father. But don't you find it interesting? What all, the, all the wilderness is is Jesus defeating the enemy. Don't you find it interesting that God thought it important to have Jesus do this before He did that thing on the cross? Because they're the same thrust of the same thing. Like He's just, He is just, at the end of this thing, what happens? He commands Him to go, and what what happens? He goes. It's essentially what happens on the cross, right? And I think it's because even for Jesus, God will always take you to an internal and personal victory over evil and death and the enemy before He will take you onto the public place to be victorious over death and the enemy. Like even for Jesus, He demonstrated a life where it was Him, the Spirit, and the demonic. And He came out on top. I, I really believe that for all of us, there's this kind of encounter where He, where God becomes victorious in this internal world of, a, of ours. Where we, not, not with 10,000 people watching, but with the Spirit leading us and God watching, we become victorious over the demonic which seeks to kill us. And it's that internal breakthrough that will manifest in the kind of public breakthrough that aids other people to encounter who He is. And so it is important if we are going to be able to walk in the favor of God that sees um, knees bow at the name of Jesus, it is absolutely essential that we 
come and we encounter the demonic and we stand with the Spirit victorious in the private secret place when no one's seeing it. God invites us into the wilderness so that we can encounter the beast and the presence of the beast and the presence of God and walk out victorious so that we can now help others. He brings internal breakthrough before He will bring external breakthrough. And a whole lot of people are rushing for the public battlefield where everybody can see them and not for the, lead, the Spirit leading them out into the wilderness where they can exercise that which is trying to exercise them. We need to choose a life honed by the wilderness. We need to be still and let Him search us. We need to be aware of Him and aware of our calling to steward our favor in the earth. Jesus would often go to deserted places to encounter the Father. Now here's another interesting thing. And this is true of all the stories that I can think of. This is going to seem like a dumb, obvious thing. But when I read the wilderness story, I always think of it like metaphorical. Like the wilderness is this weird place where life stinks. But like all of the wildernesses in the Scripture are actually in the wilderness. <laughs> I know this sounds like a dumb thing to say. But there's something... This is just Jordan. Like I think this is the Holy Spirit for you, but this is my perspective and I'm putting this out there. There is something about us getting to a place... In, in nature, and, and more specifically, getting to a place where the, the civilization, the society, the, uh, the things that are constructed by man aren't the distraction for us. And I don't know if you've done this before, but I've had time where I had long times of silence with, without distraction. And if you wait for long enough, you're going to find some things bubble up within, both good and bad. I believe that God invites you out to live this lifestyle, not just in a one-time deal, but on a continual basis that we find time, whether it's monthly or yearly or weekly, or what, that we, we have to find ways in our rhythms to encounter God in spaces where there is no distraction. Like, I love that I can go to, I went to Cultivar to, to finish preparing my sermon today, and there's music playing and people, and I'm seeing people that I know and high-fiving them, and that's, that's good. I'm thankful that I can counter God anywhere, but there's something about getting into a place where everything constructed is gone, and reality becomes more clear of who He is. So I just want to put that out there. All the wildernesses are literally in the wilderness. So there's a way of trust, the way of favor. The last thing I want to talk to you about is the way of glory. Matthew 4, 8-11 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this will be given, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And I love that part. And the angels came and attended him. You know what Philippians 2 tells us? Philippians 2, and there's a whole bunch of other scriptures that say as much. Philippians 2 tells us that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you know what the 
that the beast is offering Jesus. The enemy offers Jesus an expedited route to ultimately what his destiny is. He offers him an expedited route to his destiny. Like what the enemy comes to offer him is what all the scriptures say is going to finally happen. Do you know what Jesus, this so profound, this you know, three, four verses is so profound for our lives. Jesus does not, these are the things that He has been promised. He does not choose an expedited, compromised path to His destiny. He chooses the slow work of the kingdom of God. We are still here 2,000 years later and that promise is not yet fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled. Right? Like Jesus is going to be exalted. He's been exalted, but He's going to be finally exalted. And The issue at hand is not, learn, it's not learning the destination that we're called to arrive to. But it's, been, it's learning to walk with God on the path to the glory He has for us. We cannot have this thinking that our life is about achieving this final end point that we've got to get to. The ends do not justify the means. The ends do not justify the means. What's essentially happening here is a revelation of are we submitted to God at any cost? And the way to what God has for us is costly and it's full of like times where we don't, we're not, you know, we might not be certain. It's full of times where we make mistakes. It's full of like all of this. All of this is packaged. And the enemy is always offering a quick solution. That's like the thing he does. If you do this one thing, then it will be all fixed. Are you with me? Like, we have to choose the slow, patient work of God and not the expeditious route of compromise. The things the enemy will offer you will always be in line with the desires of your heart. That's what, that's what sin is. It's, it's the desires God put in man like twisted, manipulated. The promises He has manipulated and twisted. We, we cannot build our lives. We have to stop. Man, I... I feel like I say this point, I think I might have said this some, in some different way, I've made this point like in the last 30 sermons I've preached, I feel. But we, we cannot choose an orientation to getting the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It is not about the end. It is about walking with Him in the process. The Lord is alarming us.
Amen? We must build our lives around these things. His way of trust, His way of favor, His way of glory. And we cannot afford to compromise, especially on the last one. We cannot afford to compromise to get what we want by serving the wrong thing. All right. I'm going to end there, and I think I just want to have a stand. And I'm going to pray for us. Um, and in some ways, the wilderness frames the whole season of Lent. And so what, what, I, what I've chosen to do is to fast on sundown Tuesday to sundown Wednesday. And I know you, you say, you're not supposed to tell anybody you're fasting. Like, I'm, I promise you, I'm not telling you this to, to see how good I am. I'm not a great faster. I am telling you this to say, I am telling you this to say, take the next few weeks and ask God, ask God to reveal to you tonight a way in which you can become submitted to this journey with Him. This way of trust. And sometimes these seasons are helpful to kind of just reconsecrate our hearts. And so, I just want to have you close your eyes. I'm going to pray that this is going to be a season where we, where we get the way of Jesus. We get the way of Jesus. Lord, I just pray over every person, God, that over the coming weeks, over the next 40 days, that we will see the way of Jesus for our own lives. That we will not choose what, what is expeditious, what is quick, what, what is compromising, but we will choose what is life-giving. And God, I thank You that You are revealing Yourself, that You're revealing Your face, that You're revealing Your love and Your life. I, I pray that You will reveal to each person a way in which they can, they can bring their attention more to you in this coming time. I thank you that you're teaching us your ways. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Alright, you can be seated. We're going to take communion to finish. I think we have Colby and... Um, who else is here? Kiva, oh, Kiva's here. Yeah. Kiva, where are you? Here you are. Kiva's going to share us what communion means to her. When I was little, I used to call communion the special snack. I liked the crackers and the juice because they were sweet. Jesus gave us communion because he died on the cross for us to give us his body and his blood. We pretend that the bread is his body and the juice is his blood. Because it would be gross if it would be his real body and his real blood. <laughs> but it helps us to remember that he died on the cross for us. Now we know that Jesus is always with us and always in us. And now he always forgives us. That's why we for forgive others. Good job. I, I can't. <laughs> um, actually, on that note, let's just come get the elements and then I'll pray. <laughs> she summed it up pretty well.
Lord, right now, we just thank you for uh, your sacrifice on the cross, but also for the perfect example you set for us during your life. We thank you that your perfect spirit, your perfect mind, your perfect actions will always be an example for us, and they will all be always be with us and in us. We thank you that you sacrificed yourself so that could be possible. And, um, you know, Lord, right now, we just thank you for everything you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. say thank you Jesus we want to encourage you um, before we close we can we send out another text with the uh, oh, okay you go ahead hey Chris can you pull up that graphic from last week by chance um, it has our addresses for house church so we'll definitely be sending some stuff out this week on social media and we may send out another text. I don't want to barrage people with text messages. But here's our locations. So Suburbs is in Rowlett. You can take that address down. Dallas is at our house in uh, in Dallas. <laughs> That's going to be the jam. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, anyway, so one other quick announcement. Elena let me know that on spring break, Friday, March 13th, she has all the kids come into her house from 6.30 to 10.30 for a spring break party. And I'm going to try to give her my preschooler. So I have none. <laughs> all right. So those are our announcements. George, you want to? Yes, we would really, we would really invite you to participate. Um, we do not want to be a church that's centered purely around what happens here in a corporate gathering. We want to be centered around communally fleshing out what it looks like to follow Jesus in homes. And you guys know that's a value of ours. And so we would really ask you to make it a priority. Um, and this is a week to jump in. And you will know ahead of time for those internal processors who need prompting, you will know ahead of time what we will be discussing. It will be, it will be Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And not necessarily the points of my sermon, but, but you know, the scripture. And so, um, yes, we would really, really invite you to participate in that. I think we're also going to be, are we sending out a weekly prayer thing, audio file? We will be sending out a weekly audio file via idiot email. And, and um, via email. And uh, that will, so if you don't, if you're on an email list, please, please join us. Do we have that the visitor slide that we can that we can throw up there? Well, while Chris is finding that, I'm gonna pray. And if if you don't, if you're not on our email, you can text your information to this number that will be on the screen, and we can have your information and send you stuff that's gonna be happening. So, um, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We just, uh, we ask you to be 
at work within us. We ask you to be at work within us in this time, these next 40 days. God, lead us into your ways. Let, we, let us walk in your ways. God, let us be willing to look foolish to be your servants, to be those in love with you. I thank you, Lord. And I, and I just even pray, God, that you're going to be bringing walls of judgment down over these, these coming days. And we just bless you. We say thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. We love you guys. You have a wonderful week. Um, we'll have that slide up, I'm assuming. If not, please give us your information in some other fashion. is